0: And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind?
1: Good morning, everyone. Morning, my name's Colin. I'm the pastor here. Welcome to all of you watching online. Uh, We'll see video footage of you come up on the screen. No, we won't really. You're perfectly private. We've got your video all turned off. Well, he lived life to the full. I wonder if that's what they'll say at my funeral. I'm not. I'm not thinking of popping me clogs anytime soon. But you never know. Will people say that I lived life to the lived a full life? I wonder. Do you feel like you've enjoyed a full life to the full? Or to put it another way, has your life so far been full of life? Hey, it'd be nice to think it has, wouldn't it? Um, But if you want to pursue life to the full, if you decide it's not quite full, I want to pursue life to the full, who or what can we turn to in order to find life to the full? And there's been lots of contenders over the the centuries, haven't there? Dictators, politicians, cult leaders, economic and political theories, um, all promising a gospel of life to the full. In our culture, the latest gospel, promising you your best life, is to discover one's true inner self, and this self, often obscured by society or education or religion, must be discovered and then expressed to the world. That's just one in the latest, long string of ideas. Yet here comes Jesus and says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This series, we're looking at that question of who is Jesus, going back to the horse's mouth, as it were, to see what Jesus himself said about who he is. And today he says, I am the good shepherd. And we'll have a good, good look about what's so good about him as a shepherd, but at least part of why he claims to be good is that he brings us life to the full. So I wonder do you believe that do you believe Jesus brings his life to the full because I reckon for lots of people holding out on following Jesus uh, and for us Christians when our faith in Jesus turns a bit cold and distant the reason we reckon following the reason is that we reckon following Jesus will result in less life not more at heart we think that well, we'll miss out on something and Jesus won't be worth it Well, I hope we'll see today as we look at what Jesus means by calling himself the good shepherd, that he really does deliver on his promises, and he is the shepherd worth following. So I've just split today's talk into three sections. Bad shepherds, the good shepherd, and following the shepherd. Bad shepherds, the good shepherd, and following the shepherd. So first, bad shepherds. Uh, Jesus is speaking all of today's passage to the Pharisees, so the Jewish religious leaders of the day, and they were supposed to look after or shepherd God's people. But read chapter 9 when you go home uh, as your homework, just before this chapter. That tells you all you need to know about the heart of these Pharisees. See, Jesus had, Jesus had miraculously um, given sight to a man who was blind from birth. No one had ever seen or heard anything like it, it was amazing. But all the Pharisees are bothered about is whether or not Jesus broke their rules about whether the fact that Jesus healed this man on a Sabbath. And they just look for testimony that confirms their presumptions that Jesus is no good. They've already decided who Jesus is, and so the poor blind man and his family, they've done nothing wrong, but they get turfed out of the synagogue. See, people can get very upset with you for taking Jesus at his word about who he is. Anyway, now Jesus is setting the Pharisees straight about who he is and about who they are. And he's using the traditional Old Testament imagery for the people of God and for their leaders. The people of God are the sheep and their leaders are the shepherds. So Jesus uses this shepherd-sheep language to show how they've be- the Pharisees, who are supposed to be the shepherds, they have become the baddies, and now how he is the good shepherd. And Jesus is picking up on a prophecy from Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34, to so hear some highlights of it. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who take care of your only take care of yourselves! Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And we've just seen an example of exactly that with the blind man in chapter nine. The Pharisees are repeating the same old pattern a failure to shepherd. But the good news is, God had promised to come and do the job for himself. And just listen to this. It's, it's really beautiful. Just ask yourself, just check yourself, is this how I think of God in his character? So carrying on in, from verse 15 in chapter 34, I, will th- I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost And bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So that's the promise. And Jesus is declaring himself to be the good shepherd, making it come true. All right, so back to John 10, so v- verses 1 to 6 are like the parable, Jesus tells his shepherding parable, um, and we need to forget mass scale Australian sheep farming, with helicopters and stuff, this is small scale, a flock of 20 to 100, and we've got a picture, thanks Robert, this is a picture of a traditional Middle East animal, animal pen, and that could be the kind of thing that Jesus had in mind, with just one entrance, a gate or an opening there, the only legitimate way in or out. Uh, And the historians reckon that the shepherd would sleep across the opening, and so the shepherd was also the gate, which helps us understand what Jesus is saying. All right, verse 6, the Pharisees, they don't get it. So we'll we'll pick it up at verse 7, where Jesus begins to explain. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So, if Jesus is the gate and the good shepherd who saves, who gives people life to the full, well, who are the thieves and the robbers? Well, it must be anyone else who claims to be that. Anyone who, like the Pharisees, reckon they've got the inside track and they're the gatekeepers on having life to the full. So for Jesus and for the Pharisees, it was all about falling into line with their rules and regulations. And we don't have Pharisees, do we? But the world we live in makes lots of promises about how to find life and makes lots of rules about it, maybe through a religion or a spirituality or an ideology. If you just have a look at the news headlines and if you just look at adverts, commercials, they'll tell you what the world thinks will give your life to the full or will threaten it but jesus makes the very exclusive claim that anyone else offering to sort out all the world's problems is like a thief a robber who in verse 10 comes only to steal and to kill now that sounds a bit intolerant doesn't it a bit exclusive and we'll talk more about that question of how can we claim Jesus is the only way to God in two weeks' time when we're, looking, when we're looking at how Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But for now, let's just see that Jesus doesn't treat alternative claims to fullness of life, however sincere they may be. He doesn't treat them as well-meaning, harmless claims. To illustrate... Uh, in my misspent youth in my 20s, I was out late in Man- city centre Manchester, where I'm from, and we were trying to get a cab to go home, which is really hard, always hard to get a taxi, at Manchester late at night. And anyway, we were at the taxi rank, and this drunk bloke, we get, finally get a taxi, this drunk bloke comes along. That's my cab. And, you know, we're a bunch of wimps, so we're like, you go for a minute, you, shoot, you have it. Anyway... Somehow he convinced us he was going in the same direction and we could share this cab and wouldn't that be a good idea? Now it was a daft idea. Kids, never do it, okay? Don't share a taxi with a stranger. Because on the way, this bloke got increasingly agitated until eventually he commanded the taxi driver to pull into this side street, tried to to come on, lads, there's a great party here, come to this park. that's all, we're going home for our cocoa. And when we wouldn't got out... At that point, he started threatening us with violence to try and rob us. Now, the rest is a bit of a blur. I know that my aide, my aide had just got his dole money, and he wasn't parting with that for love nor money. And somehow, we bundled this thief out of the taxi, slammed the door, and the taxi started moving. And the bloke's running down the road behind us like Terminator or something. It was terrifying. Then the taxi stops. We're like, keep driving! Had, Who's paying So we all threw our money at him? Keep driving! Anyway, we escaped without harm. But the point of that story is we had trusted and tolerated the wrong person. And Jesus says, anyone claiming to be able to save you, to give you true life to the full, aren't harmless, sincere people. They're on a par with that bloke who tried to rob us. With their own interests interests at heart and willing to destroy you. They're not a valid other way to God. They're not true because it's true for them. Um, They're not good because they're sincere. They're spiritual thieves and robbers. Now, we don't need to be a ratbag about this. We should love and respect people and their right to trust in something else. But respecting a friend's right um, to believe doesn't mean pretending to believe they're right. And I'd argue it's more respectful, more loving, to be honest, to politely, gently disagree than pretend you believe their answer is just as valid as Jesus. To return to the taxi bloke analogy, it would have been unwise to pick a fight in the taxi rank but it was, would have been equally unwise to get out of the cab, go along with him and let, let him rob us properly. The other implication of this is that we need to be really careful about who is leading us, who we are following. So chur- church leaders, pastors like me, so pastor is just the Latin word for shepherd, we're only as good as the extent to which we point you to Jesus. Jesus is your true shepherd. People like me are just an under-shepherd. So whatever you read, listen to, invest your time in, consider. Is this pointing me to Jesus or distracting me from him? Am I being given life or having it robbed? All right, that's the bad shepherds. That's all the negative stuff done now. Let's concentrate on Jesus' claim to be the good shepherd. Verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So the picture is Jesus saving us, um, gathering us into the protection of a pen and freeing us to find good pasture. In other words, he saves and protects us from our own evil and the evil around us. And he sustains us leading, us, leading us into God's blessing. Jesus protects us and brings us blessing and he brings us life. Verse 10 again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life to the full. That's Jesus' intention for us. So whether you're considering to follow Jesus at all or you're finding it a struggle to trust him, just remember that what he wants for you, his intention for you, is fullness of life. Life in peaceful, right relationship with God, knowing him personally. That's what you really need for life to the full. That's why Jesus has come. So again, if you're stuck in a rut, stuck repeating the same old sin over and over, well, could it be because you've convinced yourself that you really need it, because you think it's got more life to offer than Jesus has? Well, just turn away from it. Follow Jesus, because he promises you life to the full. Life's all about relationships, isn't it? Because when our relationships are broken, we're miserable. And the problem is, because of our sinful hearts, we're pretty terrible at relationships, aren't we? I mean, if you think about it, your family, your family of origin, so the people who understand best your background, and married couples, people who have deliberately chosen the person they like most in the world to hang around with for the rest of their life, even those groups of people struggle to get on often. Our, and our breaking our relationship with God in our rejecting and ignoring Him, well, that means less to ourselves, we're in big trouble, deserving judgment. But Jesus, our Good Shepherd, rescues us and brings us life. But how? How do we know it's not just another claim, just another pretender? not just another life thief. Well, he is proven he is the good shepherd by choosing death instead of life so we can have life instead of death. He's proven he's the good shepherd by choosing death instead of life so that we can have life instead of death. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This is this command I received from my father. So he's not. Uh, he goes on to say he's not like a hired hand who doesn't own the sheep and he's got no skin in the game and doesn't care, really care about them. He knows each of us by name. And when we believe in him, we know him. And he loves each of us. He loves you so much that he chose voluntarily with the authority to make it effective and make it work. work. He gave up his life to save us from the death that we deserve. He gives up his life so that we can have life to the full. And that's what makes him a good shepherd. Okay, our last section. Following the shepherd. What does it mean to follow the shepherd? Uh, A friend of mine has got a farm with sheep. And the worry for any Australian sheep farmer is foxes attacking their sheep. So the other day, I was down there with them, and we were training the sheep. Um, mixed martial arts, special ninja moves, karate, so that they could fend off the foxes and save themselves. I mean, you've heard of lamb chops, right? <laughs> no, of course, that would be ridiculous. Alpacas are much better at karate. No, if you're a sheep up against foxes, or if you're a sheep up against wolves... What you need is a shepherd to protect you. And the wolves we face are the problem of our own sin and its consequences. And we can't solve that problem ourselves. So following Jesus, knowing him, that means believing and trusting in him as our shepherd to save us. Trusting in Jesus to save us. The big question for all of us then is where is fullness of life to be found? Is it in hanging on to me, my desires, my own autonomy, living my life my way? Or is fullness of life found in putting my life in Jesus' hands? Shepherds don't just let sheep do whatever they want, do they? Um, And following Jesus does mean You're going to have to give some things up. It does mean putting your hand up for a life that is, in many ways, much harder. But it is a fuller life than anything we might come up with ourselves. See, Jesus is inviting us into the same kind of relationship that he has with God the Father. Just have a think about how close this is as you hear it from verse 14. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I I lay down my life for the sheep. Giving our life over to Jesus is giving our life over to the only one who has selflessly given their life for us. No other religion, no other way of thinking can claim that. So when we asked ourselves, if I put my life in Jesus' hands, what will he do? Will I have less of a life or more of a life? Remember the answer to the question, who is Jesus? He is the good shepherd who loves us so much, he chose to lay his life down for us and promises life, eternal life, to the full. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. Please defend us from thieves and robbers and from other things in life which might divert our attention, promise to give us life, but actually rob us. Please help us to turn from all of that, keep our trust in Jesus, our good shepherd. And know that deep relationship that he knows with you. Amen.